This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, hello, everybody, for what will be your Thursday episode of Locked On Browns. We're going to get you on through a bunch of stuff here today. Certainly something I want to start with, and it's kind of been a talk here. It's, you know. We'll get to it from Browns Maven through SI.com. Pete Smith, as you know, your host, Jeff Lloyd. For your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound with your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Brown-wise. The Chris Smith situation. Um, when it first went down, Pete and I, we spoke about it. Uh, I, look, guys, I'm a family guy, so absolute tragedy. I mean, it, it's it, what Chris Smith's life is right like now. It's... It's as bad as it possibly can be away from the facility. I totally get that. But as this season has gone on, Chris Smith, it's just, he's just not, he's been a part of the team, but he's not necessarily a part of, you know, playing well or the future of this team. And, you know, if they had cut him right away, yeah, maybe that would have been a poor look. Uh, but it, it's been three months. Um, you're at a state of flux in the defensive line position. You're trying to get a look at some new guys, some younger guys. Brian Cox might not be that younger. Porter Gustin is only 22 years old, won't be 23 until February. Chris didn't have a contract here for 2020. Uh, look, Chris is paid. Chris gets all his money. That's good. That's what's important. His baby girl, that's what's important. Uh, if he chooses and gets the opportunity to play again this season, it's possible. Uh, you know, go ahead and do that. Uh, does he choose in December and spend his daughter's first Christmas with just him and her and then maybe figure out what's best for him and his daughter, you know, as the free agency period opens? Another complete aspect of things I can do. But Pete, you know, anybody trying to, you know, look, we'll, we'll criticize the Browns. We'll criticize the Browns front office. Uh, there's a question in here today about Dorsey versus Freddie Kitchens. So, you know, we got no problem criticizing anything. But, Pete, I, I, you can't make the Browns out to be monsters for this. Um, and in this scenario, essentially you look at it as, you know, you have to be able to look at it as just the player sometimes. And just the player has had one assisted tackle the entire season. Cox and Gustin did more of that in their first playing time against Miami. Uh, And the other thing that, you know, look, if everybody, you know, well, Jannard Avery didn't really fit what, uh, you know, Steve Wilkes defensive end is, well, Chris Smith and Jannard Avery, I mean, Chris Smith has maybe got Jannard Avery by 10 pounds. We don't even know how heavy Jannard Avery got this summer, but, you know, 6'1", 260, we're starting to understand that that's not a DN that Steve Wilkes really wants to work with. Uh, so he, um, I, I don't know if he's out for game checks or not. Um, he should get every dime cause he made it to the week one opening day roster played in the game. That's it. He should get everything. I think, I think it still works as game checks, but, um, he, uh, has a option in his contract that would be an out for the team after this year, they were going to release him. Um, I didn't think he'd make the team this year, and he did. It was touch, it was really touch and go. Uh, the NFL does not have a mechanism for a situation like Chris Smith's. Um, you can't just put him on a list 
and hand him a bunch of money. Um, otherwise, you would do that with lots of guys. Um, you would take, you know, a player X you really like, and you oh, he's, you know, he's got such and such, and we're going to put him on this list so nobody else can get him, and we're going to hand him a bunch of money that doesn't really count. Um, like it was suggested, they can put him on the non-football injury list. No, you can't. That's not how that works. Um, so based on the rules of the NFL, in order to – you are limited to 53 active roster spots. Um, he's not hurt. And I don't know if he'd want to be on injured reserve anyway. I think he – you know, I, I'm not going to speak for him, but this allows him to potentially sign on to another team, potentially one that's uh, competing uh, to help there. Uh, the team had moved on. Uh, they were playing guys like Brian Cox and Porter Gustin over him. Uh, that he wasn't even active this past week. He had one tackle and I think 146 snaps. Assistant um, tackle. So, you know, on the field he wasn't good. Uh, you know, and and I don't doubt that he, his impact on the field was uh, impacted by his loss off the field. Unfortunately, he wasn't any good last year. It wasn't as bad, but he wasn't good, which is why I didn't think he was going to make the team in the first place. Um, players. You know, players don't want to see, you know, necessarily anyone go, particularly a guy in this type of situation. The overall sentiment is they like Chris Smith. Um, you know, they're, they're sad to see him go, but that is the nature of the beast. You, you have 53 roster spots, um, and if you want to add somebody else, you've got to make a move. And, you know, I, I don't I, I don't see a just solution in saying, well, we're going to keep Chris Smith. Um, on the roster for the rest of the year for this, um, but or we should get rid of somebody else who's on the roster as if that's somehow a fairer move. Meanwhile, you've got a guy in Justin, uh, uh, what's his face, Zimmer, who has no, has nothing to do with any of this. He's on the Atlanta Falcons practice squad, making significantly smaller amount of money to be on the practice squad. He gets signed to what will be a minimum contract the rest of the year um, compared to what practice squad guys are playing paid. You know, that's a significant boost of money. So should the Browns keep Chris Smith and should Justin Zimmer not have this opportunity to sort of get, you know, four real game checks as opposed to practice squad checks, which are again, much less. Uh, should he not get that opportunity to, you know, affect his ability to sort of support his family? Um, the, you know, there's no good answer. There are very few happy endings in the NFL. Um, most guys don't retire. They just team stop calling. Um, you know, the way the NFL works in terms of the nature of the game, the way injuries are, you know, a lot of guys, you, know, you don't get a whole lot of retirement. Most guys just, it just ends. Um, there aren't, you know, there are some mechanisms for continued support. Chris Smith is certainly going to be a guy who's going to earn uh, a pension, a pretty substantial pension uh, for his career. Uh, the Browns announced that they are going to support him in the ways that they are sort of allowed to, which doesn't sound satisfying. It doesn't um, really work as sort of a, a press release or something you can get out there. It doesn't have that visceral reaction that, that you know, player X is fired, uh, essentially, or released, waived, whatever. 
same, you know, same idea here is, you know, they're fired. And that's an easy thing to have a visceral reaction to. And you, when you don't know what that support looks like, and I'm not saying I do, that's part of the problem, is we don't really know what that support looks like. We know what it looked like with Josh Gordon, for example. They were going to continue to, you know, help him with treatment and all those things. But you don't really know what that means in a guy like Chris Smith's situation. But that's not a failing of John Dorsey because his mandate is try to win football games. And no one's going to accuse him of being sentimental anyway. But, you know, keeping a guy, basically saying we're not going to do, you know, move a player off the roster, you know, short of injured reserve, you know, to sort of accommodate this player isn't, an answer either so there's no right answer here it's just it's just a question of which shitty solution do you want to go with and that's not a failing of Dorsey that's not a failing by the Browns that's a failing by the NFL in general and if you know that becomes the discussion this contract is guaranteed should there be some type of you know, accommodation for a player in Christmas situation those are all you know good conversations to have but they don't really apply to well the Browns are are mean or they're heartless or any of those other things because that's not really how it works in in this case. So, I mean, that's just sort of the, 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 the framework they're sort of stuck with. I mean, they were very accommodating, mispractice time, that and the other thing. Look, we all kind of knew what Chris Smith's role was. It was a reserve pass rusher. And, you know, it, it's okay, you know, it, it's okay if he, he's not around. You know, just, you know, there's not much really on his plate essentially for game day. It, look, I mean, if you want to say it's a poor look, I I can't argue with you. But, you know, it, there's got to be a time where business is business. And, you know, you're going to have to make a decision that looks bad. I mean, does it look bad when they do this and then bring in some of the players they brought in? Yeah, I, I, I can't lie to you. And some people today in my mentions, well, the Browns aren't going anywhere. Look, the Browns could win out. Who knows what nine and seven could mean? But look. That's, you know, whether it means anything, it, it might not, but you can't have that mentality. You can't work like that. At the end of the day, they still got a job to do. They've seen Brian Cox's effort. They, you know, you see a guy like Porter Gustin, and this is one thing. I mean, pe- people all oh, see keeping a scrub out of Porter Gustin had 33 tackles for loss, 21 and a half sacks at USC. All those numbers would have been exponentially higher if he got to play the last six games of his senior season. It, you want depth and we talk about this all the time. You need to find a way for that, you know, 41, 42 through 53 on the roster to fill that spot out and pray that they don't make much money. Porter Gustin ain't going to cost you a dime. If if you have somebody that can be a rotational player, he's making less than Chris Smith. He already shown more activity. Look, I, I get it. I, I understand for those of you who are naysaying it, but you, you just, at the end of the day, it's a business and it's a bottom line. And is my can I make my roster better today than it was yesterday? And that's what you got to do. What do you, what would you like to hear, see here? How, how can you really help Chris Smith? Have the Haslam's throw fifty thousand dollars into a bond or something for his daughter. So when she's eighteen years old, whatever happens to Chris Smith, however his life turns out, she's got some money. God forbid something. You know, Chris's life doesn't go great. She's got money. She can go to college. She can go on and get a great life for herself. But you can't. I just you can't make this that the Browns are the bad folk guys here. You, you've got to run a business at the end of the day. It's just the only way about it. It you know 
I'm sorry. You know, look, I'll tell you, you know, you, we'll give you our opinion when we think that, you know, it, it's wrong. Uh, this one, no. I mean, you've got to, your job is to make the roster better than it was the day before. If the opportunity's there, go do it. More from Jeff Lloyd and Pete Smith on Lockdown Browns. Guys, with the holidays coming, sometimes people don't always ask for what would be a good gift for them. One example of that, luggage. Away creates thoughtful, thoughtful products designed to change uh, to change how you see the world. For twenty dollars off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on and use the promo code L O C K E D O N during your checkout. If you're listening in your car, please don't try to do this now. Go ahead later. Check out lockedonpodcast.com slash offers for all the great uh, you know whatever you can get off, obviously all the discounts you can get from all the sponsors here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. We appreciate them, all of them, for everything they do for us here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. Pete, a crazy, crazy deep injury list today. But good news is Greg Robinson out of protocol, full practice. Eric Murray, uh, and this was weird because they were so, so – Quiet on Eric Murray. It was, oh, not playing, not playing, not practicing, not practicing. It takes the field today. Again, maybe a little too little too late. Um, but, you know, you, you got a couple of rookies out there. It's, you know, you got more than Burris now. It's, look, either way, you want to win out. If 9-7 and seven doesn't mean anything, 8-8, eight and eight, whatever. You want to play these final four and you want to play them strong. You want to get some confidence back in everybody after what was a deflating week it's you know it'd be good to get a couple of guys back here the injury list is depressing the news out of Berea I thought was very positive um obviously you know, Dave Vernon sort of came up limp um you had guys like Greedy Williams leave the game you had Demetrius Harris uh bank up you had GC Twitter sort of limping a little bit not that you'd ever expect him not to play uh you had Baker Mayfield you know banged up um, all those guys are, are participating, um, albeit limited. I, I think J.C. Treader technically got a DNP um, after Freddie said he'd likely be limited. Uh, and Greg Robinson back is, is obviously really, really good news, uh, considering what, what, what uh, Mayfield was subjected to on Sunday. The Eric Murray thing was just like, what? Like, <laughs> it, it just it's a huge surprise to me. So I, I know what the injury list looks like. Um, I actually thought it was a, a, a huge, like I, I thought it was a good news day for them that none of these things that they, they suffered against the Steelers are, have carryover. It's mostly being described as bumps and bruises, mostly being described as soreness uh, that, you know, and, and again, it's the Bengals, but you want to have, you know, all your guys out and ready to go. Um, so, uh, you know, as far as I was concerned, I, I thought I thought today was actually uh, pretty good news. Uh, look, whenever you're, you know, getting more back and, you know, look, part of it, guys, look, it's Wednesday, it's December, it's week 14. You're to the point now where it's, you know, and look, you play Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a physical freaking football team. It's to the point of, all right, you know, look, just do what you got to do to be ready for Sunday. We're not too concerned about, you know, what's going to go on here. You know, whatever, throw the payout, you know, throw the uppers on. Let's go on out there, shells, whatever. Let's, you know, Get some work done. If if you're only there in spirit, whatever it's it is what it is at this point. And you notice when you look at these teams, this is the way it kind of looks for everybody here. Uh, well, this is this is one. I guess we'll go with it here. Um, Russell 
the Ohio native from London. You're a pain in my ass sometimes, Russ. I tell you what, but you're consistent. You bring it in. That obviously brought some of that Chris Smith thing. Pete, if we could only choose between keeping Freddie Kitchens or keeping John Dorsey, which one are you keeping? Right? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'd probably say John Dorsey, and that's – I don't feel good about it. Uh, right this second, slightly over Kitchens, but you know, if I'm honest, they're both, you know, bottom half of the league right this second. You know, Dorsey will will get a bunch of people have a bunch of people telling me how great he is, but he's not, and he's exactly who I said he was going to be when he got here. And I'm hoping my my overall thought process on this is. I'm inclined, and, and this is subject to change, to say bring everybody back, and I hope they have a hell of a lot better 2020 than they did 2019 because I think both guys fundamentally failed this year, and that's why the Browns are where they are. Um, I, I think the, the situation is salvageable. I think they can get back on track. I think they can do a lot of the things that they were hoping to do, but they are the, the reason – uh, in, in large part, that the Browns are where they are right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- this is a tough one because, I mean, look, we, y'all, we, we've talked about this. It's Mike McCarthy, but the problem is, is then what happens to the rest of the staff and how that works out? And I, I don't know. I mean, the last thing I want to do is just start over again. And it's, it's Baker, a fourth offense in four years. And then most likely it's a new defense. And this is one, Pete, like everybody keeps talking about this. Oh, well, if you move on from Freddie, everybody just assumes Steve Wilkes is your defensive coordinator. Like, like yeah. I just don't know how that works. Like, look, Steve Wilkes will have upper, other opportunities. And if there's a shakeup, and then there's always the thing when you have a former head coach on your staff like Steve Wilkes is, well, if you didn't like me enough to give me the gig, then maybe I don't want to stick around. Yeah, the the uh... – so this is my this is sort of my fundamental issue with the notion that the Browns lack you know lack leadership in terms of the head coach and stuff. You have you know a guy who's a head coach now that's effectively learning on the job, and you have one guy who was a head coach last year, and you have another guy uh, in Todd Munkin who's allegedly an aspiring head coach. Uh, so I'm sort of confused on this notion that. You know, suddenly the Browns have no no leadership in, in that organization. I think, like most things, it's it's overstated and, and far too extreme. I think there's more to it than that, and I think that's really the issue. I think there are some fundamental issues when it comes to where the Browns are and where they're going, and I think some of that may be caused by sort of the, the, the disruption that, that John Dorsey has had in, in changing up the roster. And that's not to suggest that's necessarily a bad thing. Some of those things just have to happen by, by the nature of how this thing goes. But it, you know, there, there's an element where it feels like some of the guys who feel like they are, you know, not going to be here, maybe feel like they got the short end of the stick on certain things, aren't happy. Uh, and it's, you know, whether you want to call it acting out or whatever, it's sort of taking this thing to a, you know, a, a, a bad spot. But like a lot of things, like using penalties as a referendum on coaches, which is just so stupid. 
uh, right now, like the Browns are averaging 8.2 penalties per game, which has actually improved when they were at 10. Um, uh, the New Orleans Saints, coached by uh, Sean Payton, who no one questions the discipline of his team, or at least as far as you know, a reflection on the head coach, averages 7.9 penalties per game. Uh, the the coach that uh, that was Mike Tomlin and his Steelers, that are supposedly a, a, a far more disciplined team, averaged 7.6 penalties per game. So, you know, the difference between the Browns and the Steelers in terms of just raw penalties is basically half the penalty per game. So, like a lot of this stuff, there, if you don't like Freddie Kitchens for whatever reason, you're you're happy to find weird. Uh, you know, reasons to, to complain about it. I mean, and going back to Mike Tomlin, like if you watch the game Sunday, who is the team that had all kinds of pre-snap penalties on all these things? You're going, oh, my God, what are they doing? Who's the Steelers? I think they had, like, three penalties that were false starts on wide receivers. Like, that's yep. insane. Uh, but anyway, so I don't know. I wish I had more information on this type of thing. Like, there are people who believe that, there's a fundamental lack of leadership, uh, and and if that's the case, you know that that makes it easier to sort of want to move on. But again, you've got a head coach, a, a head coach, uh, you know, a former head coach as recently as last year, and I think he's done a great job in Steve Wilkes. Todd Munkin is an aspiring head coach, and you're telling me that there's no leadership. Like at that point, what are we doing with any of these guys? So, yeah, I, and I agree the notion that well, Steve Wilkes is going to be perfectly okay for for somebody to come in and, and, and take over that job and just be the assistant again. I'm assuming he wants another shot at a head coach. And and if Freddie Kitchens gets fired, he may well be sitting there going, well, why the hell not me? And may not like that. So I, I, this idea that you can, well, we'll just take Freddie Kitchens out, put a new head coach in. He's got to keep the same staff with a few changes. That's not how it works. That's never how it works. You live in a pipe dream. The only way that works is you go out and essentially you hire, guess what? Another Freddie Kitchens, a guy with zero right. head coaching experience and telling him this is your staff. And, you know, and this is like, I'm almost at the point, and this is where I'm at. And, you know, I actually messaged Pete last night and I'm like, I don't know if I want to shake up any of it. And, you know, look, Ron Rivera, I'm going to let, you know, Pete spew on that here in a second, but I don't look, I want to take the wrongs from this year. And make that the focal point of the offseason in the building. Let John and his guys go to work and worry about free agency and worry about draft. I want Freddie to be able to sit down with Todd Monken, with you know Steve Wilkes, and say, all right, where did we go wrong as the leadership of these players? Where did we go wrong on game day? Let's get this right. Because, you know, and you know, look, I'm guilty of it. Pete probably too. I mean. Did did we maybe think Freddie was going to hit the ground running more than he did? Yeah, I, I'll admit I'm guilty of it. And you know everybody, you know, in the arguing with referees too much and challenging shit that you shouldn't be challenging. But you want to know what that reeks of? That reeks of a first time head coach, little in over his head. Yeah, did John put a great roster at his hands and he really had no idea what the heck he was doing yet? Uh, look, I don't use a MacBook Pro. If you gave me one, it's great that you gave me all these cool things and all these doodads. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing yet. So it takes time to get integrated. I, I just, I, I think I, I would just look, I mean, unless it is a slam dunk stinking no brainer, 
let's just run this crap back. It's just kind of where I'm at, which leads to where all this is coming from. Pete, yes, Ron Rivera is available. Yes, Ron Rivera once coached in a Super Bowl, but in his nine years as head coach of the Carolina Panthers, he's had a losing record for six of them. Ron Rivera is a great guy. You know, definitely comes off as one, that type of thing. But, you know, is is the, you know, is the juice worth the squeeze, so to speak? Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not and have not made the case that Ron Rivera should not be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. All I've pointed out is the, the, the potential trade-offs with him. So I think Ron Rivera brings credibility as far as sort of that leader of men quality. But I think the trade-off is you're going to be less, you know, less schematically smart. Uh, you're going to be sort of less creative in those type of things. Uh, you're going to be more simplistic. And, you know, you, you watch Ron Rivera over the years in Carolina, and he was heavily reliant on assistance. Um, if he didn't have assistance, the team, he didn't have really good assistance. The team sort of was very uh, vanilla, and they lost a lot of games to teams that were smarter are able to do some more things schematically and exploit weaknesses and those types of things. Um, so, like, you know, when they had Sean McDermott, you know, their defense was great. Uh, they had Steve Wilkes the one year. They were, they were pretty solid. Um, but, you know, whether it was Mike Shula uh, or some of the other rinky-dink, you know, offensive coordinators there, you know, that's the trade-off. And, and you're sitting there going, well, I don't like Freddie Kitchens and Todd Muck, and maybe you're okay with that. That's fine. The other problem with it is, like, there's this notion that, like, a head coach is going to come in and be like, cool, we're going to stick with the same offense you guys were running, or we're going to run, you know, this other, you know, another offense that, I, that I've that i never run as if head coaches do that. Like, you know, they, they may maybe he would want to keep Steve Wilkes, and maybe Steve Wilkes would be totally into it. But, like, Ron Rivera has never been – a coach of a team with, you know, the type of offensive line the Browns have. They're, you know, mobile. They do a lot of zone stuff. Uh, they like to, you know, widen out and do those, type, you know, they got that wide zone scheme they're running. They like to pull guys and, and do that type of stuff. Ron Rivera, for the most part, has been like an old school gap, double team, uh, you know, group with a bunch of big heavy dudes. And you had a guy like Trey Turner who was really light on his feet, but like they were big and they weren't, that type of offense. So, you know, I don't know if he's interested in, you know, keeping James Camp and who I really like. I don't know if he wants anything to do with the type of offense that Todd Munkin or anyone runs or, or what he'd want to bring in, or if he'd want to then, you know, overhaul some of these guys that they have and, and replace them or not. So there's no like magic seamless transition where you're basically creating Ron Rivera for Freddie Kitchens, and all all of a sudden it's going to be great. It's going to be, you know, a, a big change. And there's no, you know, that you're going to take that step, you know, backwards in terms of, or, or sideways at least in terms of adjusting scheme to those things. And, and Baker Mayfield's been in his third different offense in three years, which I don't love. Four if you count college. I don't, you know, I, I, I'd rather, especially with Wilkes, and again, I think, uh, my appreciation for Wilkes is sort of fueling my my willingness to sort of stick it out with Freddie, or I should say, assistants in general. Wilkes, Campin, like Prefer, you yep. know, those guys were doing a really good job. 
make me want to stay with Freddie, which is not an endorsement of Freddie's ability, uh, but that is part of the job, which is being able to surround yourself with a great staff. And I know some people are going to try to like shift that credit to Dorsey, which I'm sorry, no, uh, that was Freddie's staff. Maybe he sort of, you know, put in a call with uh, James Campen because obviously he's a former Packer guy, uh, but you know, that's part of the interview process. You don't, you don't get the job and go, okay, we're going to hire a staff now. You, you pitched that staff. Um, and that was part of the reason you got the job. So these are, these are the moves that Freddie made to get guys like Steve Wilkes and, and Todd Munkin and stuff. And Todd Munkin, and obviously a, a former, an Arians tree guy, a guy he, he's known, uh, they, they were working from, you know, large and uh, singing from the same, uh, the uh, same Bible or whatever. And uh, that's why those guys came here. They believed in what Freddie was preaching. So it's not like, oh, I guess they're totally cool with this new guy. Like there's some loyalty in that type of stuff. So again, I, I'm I'm with you. I wish there was, you know, more obvious. Like it, it, Ron Rivera might be the right guy for the job. I find him personally underwhelming. Um, I think the stuff with his kid, family and kids being in the facility as much as I think there are a segment of Browns fans that would actually throw a fit over that. Mm-hmm. Try to come up with some weak excuse that he's not fully engaged, which is just ridiculous. Like the people who criticize, you know, Miles Garrett or somebody because he likes, you know, poetry or whatever. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy. You know, I think he's a substantial upgrade as a head coach, but I think he'd be he'd bring an underwhelming staff with him. You know, somebody's going to try to talk themselves into Lincoln Riley, who's theoretically planning, you know, preparing for if, if they win the Big 12 championship, a potential playoff game, uh, which doesn't happen until, you know, January. So that's another thing. And I don't think he has any interest in coming to the Browns. I, I know Baker Mayfield is here, but the, the job isn't, you know, Oklahoma is such a great job. I, you know, I don't think he's in a hurry to leave it. Uh, I, I understand, you know, I think the, the NFL being out there is great for his ability to negotiate, negotiate raises basically on a year basis because he gets more attractive just hanging out there. So you're back to guys like Matt Campbell and, and all those, you know, usual suspects. You're going to get pitched Josh McDaniels again, which has already happened. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though there's no contact there, there's never been any contact there. Um, so, and the other, the last part of this is that if you do fire Freddie Kitchens and you do have to hire a new staff, how willing is the staff going to be to come here? Because John Dorsey sort of represented that, you know, credibility that they were going to, you know, really stick with this thing and, and do that. And then suddenly that's gone if you fire Freddie Kitchens. And, and I think some of the stuff John Dorsey has done over the course of the year was really aimed toward this next year, even though they were really trying to compete and, and play for this year. Um, so I think there's a lot of vested interest for him to keep this thing going. Uh, we, we've talked about he's, he, you know, he's done a lot of things to cut off his own nose despite his face in terms of draft picks, getting rid of a guy like Gennard Avery that uh, was you know, a good pick, but it didn't fit what they were doing, so they got rid of him. I don't think he wants to have to do that again. Not only that, but I think it would, again, represent a potential step back. I really think... Uh, that they want, you know, I, I think if, 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 you know, Kitchens forces their hand here, like if there's a fundamental failure as a leader, uh, there's, you know, if he, if he was to somehow, you know, something was to happen between now and the last four games or God forbid they lose them, 
then I think there, there's more of a reason to sort of panic and, and make that move. But I think they, they really want to try to keep this thing going and add a few pieces to fix it as opposed to, to have to transform everything for a new set of coaches. But we'll see. Again, I, I, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to be persuaded, but some of the arguments that have been thrown out there just make me feel like more entrenched in the notion of we might as well just stick with this another year, which doesn't, you know, again, it, it sounds about as excited as I just made it sound. We're sticking with this another year. Uh, I, you know, I, I hope it, it's better uh, with, with both front office and coaching staff. I think the defense will be better. I'm extraordinarily confident in in Steve Wilkes. I, you know, there are other guys on that staff. I, I, I've never been a Dwayne Walker fan. I don't think he does a great job. Uh, and that may may change. I, you know, I, people obviously have have obsessed over Ryan Lindley. I don't think he's really the problem people make him out to be. Uh, and that seems like it's gotten better. But you know, maybe that changes. Whatever. Uh, you know, Adam Henry's no longer super popular all of a sudden, which is funny because right. he into this whole thing with, with Beckham and Landry. I don't know, but it seems more and more like we're going to run this thing back and hope it, it gets better because it has to, is basically the rationale. Uh, look, I mean, you know, yeah, give Drew, Drew Stanton a big handshake. Tell me you're the quarterback coach. Uh, get competent offensive tackles. Uh, defense, you need a couple of safeties. Uh, but other than that, yeah, this figure out where it went wrong. And, you know, obviously it did. And we know that it did go wrong, but get with everybody, get that part of it, right? The roster and the talent. I'm not really sure that's the issue. Um, just work harder on getting it right. And this is, seems a lot more of a, give me another year at this or give me a little more time to get this right as opposed to let's start over again. And which, you know, we talked about this leaves players in limbo is, you know, am I a part of this new system or am I not? And am I, it's, you know, I, look, unless it's an absolute slam dunk and I'll be honest with you, I don't know who that name is that would make me say, all right, that's a slam dunk. I'm okay with it I, for now, you know, Take out the, uh, you know. The, Hugh Jackson was supposed to be that big hire. That's the other part with, like, people trying to talk me into, you know, Ron Rivera, some of these things. I, you know, I, some of them sound way better than they end up being. That's true. That's true. We'll get to a little bit more here on Lothon Browns with Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you do they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between the NFL season, NBA, college basketball is up and running. You it's time to get off the couch, get off the sidelines, and get into the action with my bookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, may I suggest parlays? Go to mybookie.com, set up whether it's NBA, whether it's college. Whether it's all NFL, manipulated, all the sports, three, four games, five games, you know, adjust the spreads because you have the, uh, you know, the security of the parlay, $10, $20, maybe a chance to win $200, $300. You can do all of that with mybookie.ag. Go to mybookie.ag right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. They will match your initial deposit up to 100%. 
Can't thank the folks over at mybookie.ag enough. Use the promo code locked on. Get yourself an account today and go ahead, folks. Start gambling that money. Got a couple to close with here, Pete. And I, I guess we'll go with this here. Look, it's Cincy. Um, it's weird because it wasn't going to be normal, but now it's normal. Uh, you know, obviously, Randolph out there last week got themselves a win. Uh, John Ross is coming back this week. Uh, look, Bengals fans, you're never going to see AJ Green again. I, I don't think so. I don't. I think AJ Green is handling this in the gentleman approach of let's finish out this year. I'd like to move on at this point with my life and my career. Um, obviously, the Bengals are going. It's going to be different because Andy Dalton will be gone. It's going to be a new guy under center. But Pete, it's other than putting Dalton in there. There's not much else with this team. Well, I mean, having got their win, it seems like the rational thing to do would be pulling back out. Um, well, I mean, they got lucky, though, because Miami did win and Washington did win, so it didn't really change too much for them. No, they've got a nice little lead. Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, they've already announced A.J. Green won't play this week. I'm inclined to agree with you. I don't know why they haven't just sort of put an end to it. Like he's going to show up week six, week 16 and risk tearing an ACL at 31 years old for this one in 14 franchise. Come on. Right. Um, and, and, you know, they, they have to prepare for life after him anyway. I mean, it's, it's again, I, I, I made the case and, and I stand with it that uh, the Browns should bench Demarius Randall and just roll with sheltered bread wine. Um, you know, this comes down to which was one of the most aggravating things after that Pittsburgh loss. Let's not talk about the fact the offensive tackles suck. Let's not talk about the fact the guy who needs a big fat contract extension got suspended 30 hours before the biggest game of the year. But please, let's talk about the fact that Freddie wore a freaking t-shirt. Right. So, um, you know, whatever he did, and they're still not acknowledging it. I don't really care. I'm, I'm, buy, I'm buying this Thanksgiving story. I'm sorry. I am. Because it's gotten to the point with him where I, I think he is that petty. I don't care. I, 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 I really think it's gotten to the point with him. He's so frustrated he didn't get his money here. And then it's a couple of injuries. And for a guy that we loved and lauded during the 18th season, I mean, nobody went Mr. Jekyll, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde faster than Demarius Randall. Yeah, I, again, I don't care what he did, um, but what he, he did was show the team can't rely on him. He's not going to be here next year. Um, so, and, and putting Redwine in doesn't change your ability to win games because Randall has been that mediocre, and Redwine at least looked you know, like an NFL player in his first game. Um, four starts for him would be beneficial for his development, whether he's going to be a starter next year or not. Especially because this is a guy we talked about where you were thinking you were probably going to get an incomplete based on his rookie year. Maybe now you're not going to get that incomplete grade on him. Well, you may still, but ultimately it's just a question of what is best for the Cleveland Browns. To me, I don't think putting Marius Randall back out there is. I think you know making a statement in terms of expectations about who you are as a team is more important here, and I think you need to be focused on what's best for your organization and what's you know, focusing on guys who are accountable, who are, you know, working to benefit this team. And and I don't think 
you know, I don't think you can can say that about Randall anymore. So in that sense, I would rather put in Redwine. That's not me saying wave the white flag and put in all the young guys. It's just this particular situation that seems to make more sense because he's not actually worse. No, absolutely agree with you there. Um, so, you know, but that's the part that aggravates me is, you know, and everybody, this is what you talked about, you know, and the focus should have been so many other places in, I gotta be honest, it just aggravates the living freaking daylights out of me. Um, Pete, I'm, I'm getting a lot of this. Um, Chris Hubbard, it's maybe it's not looking good for this week. And I'm not, I don't want to say, you know, no ill will towards his health or whatever, but Pete, Chris Hubbard's, you know, this is another one, most likely not here next year. Uh, whether it's lamb, look, I've seen enough of McCray. Can I see some lamb? Can, can we do, it wouldn't be terrible to run something else out there at right tackle. And at yeah, least get a look see. Uh, I don't know what the plan is there. I mean, I, you know, I still would love the idea of it being Drew Forbes. Um, you know, if it's Kendall Lamb, whatever. And, and, and again, it's different from Randall in the sense that Chris Hubbard is playing poorly, but he's not, doing something selfish or whatever. He's showing like, up every week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not a question where he's, like, sabotaging. Although, some might argue. But but anyway, um, yeah, if he can't go or it's, you know, he's he's um, he is uh, hurt enough where you're better off with somebody else, get somebody else out there. I mean, that – we're, it's, you got to keep this kid upright. And, and the last thing anyone wants, and that's why it was like, you know, in the moment when he when he whacked his hand, and that really wasn't anybody's fault. It's just like that feeling of, well, the, you know, the last four games don't even matter. Um, keep him upright so he can, you know, improve. You're not going to go to the playoffs this year. That, you know, that sucks, but okay. But you can go out with, you know, him getting better, feeling good about where you're headed for next season and, you know, again, getting getting a little bit more of a look at some of these guys and hopefully, you know, I think the mandate for these last four weeks as much as anything should be figure it out with Odell Beckham so he's a productive part of this team next year and, you know, you get that going and you can feel good about that stuff. So, yeah, uh, if, if Hubbard's hurt, he's off. Uh, and look, with Baker, it's the ribs, it's the hands. Um, and look, you know, I believe him. He says, I'm going to be out there. He's going to be out there. Look, and if sometimes maybe he's his own worst enemy in this stuff, who cares? Um, you know, you need certain players on a roster to say, don't worry, I'll be there. And some folks are worried about J.C. Treader, another guy I would not be so worried about. Uh, make sure you're checking everything out at Browns Maven on Twitter, Browns Maven through SI.com. Make sure you're following at Pete underscore Pete Smith. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. At Locked on Browns, uh, follow back account. DMs are open everywhere, guys. Anything you need, you know where to hit me up here. Appreciate you all. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.